This is Tech Dip Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. This podcast features Dr. Meng Chang, Executive Vice President for Strategic Initiatives and Dean of the College of Engineering at Purdue University. He is joined by John Rose, Chief Technology Officer of Dell Technologies. In this episode, they will discuss the importance of telecom infrastructure and the increased demand for C-band spectrum. Hello, everyone. Uh, uh, this is Meng Chang, Executive Vice President of Purdue University and Dean of his College of Engineering. And you're listening to uh, a podcast organized by the Center for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue, CTDP's Task Force on Global Roadmap to 6G. And today we're delighted to have John Rose, who's the Chief Technology Officer of Dell Technologies, to share with us his thoughts on some of the most salient and impactful directions as we marched from 5 to 6G this decade. John, thank you very much for joining us. Great. Thanks, Bon. Glad to be here. Well, well, first of all, uh, I think at the moment of this recording of the podcast right now, uh, on uh, March 1, 2022, uh, the uh, annual Mobile World Congress is happening in Barcelona, Spain. And what are you seeing there? And uh, how is that related to this exciting conversation around uh, more open network architectures, opening up more network interfaces? And where do you see this taking us in this decade? Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty interesting timing. I, you know, with Mobile World Congress hasn't actually convened for a couple of years. And so this this week in Barcelona, the industry is converging there and and after two days it's it's very clear you know the 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 industry composition is changing we are we are seeing you know a presence from what we'll call non-traditional technology companies companies like dell microsoft google amazon you know and and quite a large number of traditional cloud and it providers are now fully invested in in this new approach to quite frankly transforming telecom disaggregating it software defining it virtualizing it and and most importantly opening the interfaces to really create innovation silos within it um you know one of the one of the comments i made recently in a in a, a session i was giving was um, the point of things like open ran are not to create an alternative black box the purpose of things like open ran in which we are trying to define open interfaces between the various subcomponents that make up the end-to-end telecom system are really to disaggregate the innovation ecosystems, to realize that the innovation building a radio happens at a cycle that is different than the innovation that a L1 stack on a DU would have or on a core service or a VNF. And today we have a very um, uh, traditional structure where innovation of telecom kind of moves up one pace that's not how it works in cloud. That's not how it works in IT. And by opening and disaggregating the ecosystem through these open interface initiatives, whether it be virtualization or open RAN interfaces, as many different avenues that are being pursued, the net result is not the recreation of a telecom stack in a different image. It's actually the disaggregation and separation of the various subcomponents into independent innovation ecosystems that can move at their own speed, can attract their own participants, and quite frankly, accelerate the overall innovation of the system in ways that are really very similar to what's happening in the cloud and IT world today. And so Mobile World is a great example. When you look at who's there, it's 
it's collections of companies. Some are very excited about building virtualized cores. Some are building new MO frameworks. Some are building new open radio interfaces. Some are building a new RAN stacks. And that would never have been the case uh, you know, years ago in telecom because it just simply wasn't possible to build each of the components in an independent innovation ecosystem and then put them back together and build a telecommunication system. So we're early on that journey, but mobile world is a great representation of that ecosystem is now, you know, has quietly formed behind the scenes at a scale that actually is far more uh, expansive than the, the traditional telecom ecosystem has ever been. Uh, yes, well, John, uh, as you know better than I do, that the Dell is uh, famous for its ability to integrate uh, software and hardware across very diverse set of uh, platforms and then provide a outstanding experience to the end users. Uh, so what is Dell's uh, positioning and planning on this? Yeah, yeah, we're you know we we are uh, we are in every other industry that we participate in. We are both a provider of certain technology components, servers, storage, networking, et cetera. But mostly, what we are is the company that knows how to take an open ecosystem and combine it into systems and solutions and outcomes that can be consumed easily by customers. You know, a laptop is a combination of many components that come together in an outcome. A virtualized data center is the same thing or an edge. And so and when we look at telecom, our role is, is really twofold. The first is we believe that our expertise in integrating open architectures into outcomes will be incredibly important to put the open ecosystem together into systems that can be consumed by operators and enterprises. And that's exactly what we're doing with some of the, the early carriers that are moving in this space. The second uh, role for Dell, though, is obviously, you know, open ecosystems are built with technology and certain layers of that technology we are a participant in. We, we clearly are a, a very strong player in delivering the compute systems of the architecture. We are, you know, we believe there may be opportunities for us to participate as a provider of some of the open radios or some of the open RAN stacks or some of the management orchestration tooling. The thing to be very clear about, though, is Dell's strategy is open is is betting on open 100%, which means that even if we provide a component, we are not building architectures that prevent the substitution of that component by an operator. The idea is to be able to have interchangeable computer, interchangeable radios, or interchangeable software stacks, and ultimately be able to reintegrate them or evolve components as necessary. And so, you know, it's it is a, a subtle shift for for the well, maybe a big shift for the telecom industry to think this way. For Dell, it's a subtle shift to just apply what we've already done in every other market we participate into telecom. So think of us as the the kind of the probably the largest at scale integrator of open ecosystems and now applying that to telecom and also a provider of many open components, but not all of the open components that need to be integrated. Mm -hmm. oh, that, that's a very interesting position you just described there, John. And as you know, that uh, Purdue University is uh, working on a new campus near our West Lafayette main campus uh, called the Discovery Park District. Uh, it's 460 acres. And there will be about 10,000 people living, learning, working together there. So we're turning that into a lab to live a platform whereby the cutting edge technologies can be commercially deployed here before any other major metropolitans where the permitting process might take a long time. So we'll be very excited to uh, see what we can explore together to bring that uh, 
uh, Dell, perhaps, Dell integrated uh, open architecture experience uh, onto this new campus. So what kind of time frame do you have in mind uh, in the coming uh, months and years? Yeah, we're, you know, we're already uh, acting as that integrator for some of the early uh, deployments. You know, I've seen a long list of operators we've announced uh, collaboration with to deploy the first kind of open RAN systems in Europe and the United States and, and other parts of the globe. It's fairly early from an industry perspective, but, but, but we're active. We have a, a very large business already in place. Um, but the ramp to actually pivoting towards large-scale ado large adoption of open architectures is still several years in front of us. It will progressively evolve. Uh, there's going to be some acceleration in which most of the private 5G solutions are likely going to be derived from the open architectures, just simply because there's more enterprise players there. Uh, and the macrocellular side will, will, will progressively go from this first tier of the dishes and Rakutans and Vodafones and others that are kind of the, the vanguard to more and more operators experimenting with and deploying it tactically in specific areas to learn from it. But over the next probably three to five years, you know, we believe the technology stabilizes and becomes a, a sizable portion. In fact, this week at Mobile World, one of the leading executives in the, in the industry pointed out that their estimate was in Europe by 2030, I think, uh, you know, up to a third of the telecom infrastructure would be based on open RAN architectures, which, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge shift for a technology that didn't exist a year ago. Um, so, so we're early days, but Dell has a very large business. We have lots of engagement with most of the tier one operators in the world. And, you know, it's a long generational transition that's going on. And, you know, like we've set up a business to be part of that, that transition, but we, we don't see any path where it doesn't incrementally expand or even exponentially expand every year, year over year for the next decade. Well, thank you, John, for that outlook. And uh, in addition to architecture, another essential component is uh, the spectrum availability. And here in the United States, we have different bands on the spectrum that have been allocated by the FCC. And there have been some recent uh, disagreement on which bands can be used in what ways and so on. And there are many other opportunities such as uh, dynamic spectrum sharing technologies that may allow us to more efficiently use existing allocation of these frequency bands. So, you know, wireless communication without frequency bands is would be like a drinking coffee without beans. So this is certainly essential. And what's your take on where we are heading, at least in our country, in the United States, on the spectrum front? Yeah, I think I think it's a, a mostly good story in the sense that up until now, especially with the release of the C-band spectrum, um, you know, we have a reasonable amount of spectrum being made available for the kind of first wave of 5G. C-band's just becoming live now, and it looks very promising, especially because you have fairly large contiguous bands of spectrum available. And, you know, one of the challenges with spectrum allocation isn't how much spectrum, it's whether or not it's contiguous. It's enough and a big enough block uh, deployed over a large enough area of the country to be useful. And we're not necessarily great at that in the previous spectrum that was released, but but C-band looks better. Um, but that will be insufficient. We, we clearly will need more. You know, we can see that, you know, even though we're improving, you know, uh, radio algorithms and, and, and we're, we clearly are getting better spectral efficiency as we innovate on the technology side, 
if, if we're right, and I think we will be, that the vast majority of data in the world will be created and processed outside of data centers, and the number of connected entities will grow exponentially, all that translates into almost immeasurable demand on the wireless infrastructures that will sit between the devices and the way and the, and the infrastructures that process their data. And so we should expect exponential demand growth over the next decades. And that means that we're going to have to innovate on the technology side, but we're also going to need a lot more spectrum. And so there are spectrum bands that we're, we're exploring as, as an industry. There's a band up in the 12 gigahertz band that's, you know, kind of a semi-high band that you mostly use for satellite today, could easily be repurposed, uh, and it's a fairly large chunk of spectrum. There are, there are other bands that we can refarm. We could be more aggressive on the shift from 4G to 5G earlier. That could be problematic, but it might actually be very useful. But the the you know the two issues that make me most concerned, uh, maybe or optimistic and concerned. Optimistic is you know the use of dynamic spectrum sharing, the ability to to quite frankly not lock down spectrum, but to make it available as it's needed, which we've seen in CBRS and other approaches. That's a very powerful tool because it allows the spectrum to be less of a static asset, more dynamic, and adapt to the environment as it's needed. Um, that's a great technology. I think the U.S. has a very strong position in, and we've really we've really demonstrated tech technology innovation there. Um, the one that makes me most concerned, though, is that as we release new spectrum, we have not had a great track record of managing kind of jurisdictional conflict between agencies. The most recent example was the C-band, you know, FCC, FAA uh, conflict around potential interference with some altimeters. You know, we all knew that was coming two years ago. That band was was allocated. The the you know the filters needed to be put on systems. It didn't happen. And then as things come live, we react by trying to stop the progress of 5G. Um, you know, clearly safety is the priority, but 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 we need to be much more intelligent about all of the agencies and all of the potential conflicts. And everybody needs to work together because the goal is not to take something away from someone or to create a conflict. It's to enable the digitization of the world, and that requires a very robust and very broad availability of wireless spectrum. Indeed. And there are often technological solutions, for example, put a spectral <laughs> mask or filter that function yeah. properly on, right? And uh, you mentioned the dynamic spectrum sharing as a increasingly maturing and ready to deploy technologies. Uh, there's also the opportunity of sharing over time. Uh, sometimes you've got the peak and valley moments of the spectrum usage, uh, and then you can perhaps uh, preload certain content download, or you can postpone the time-insensitive machine-type traffic so that you can fully utilize the spectrum that you already have. Well, what can policymakers do? You know, of course, this is a very dynamic and private sector-driven industry, but uh, if anything, what can the policymakers do? Yeah, I mean, my message has been clear for the last probably four years. Um, let's be very clear. There is no at-scale U.S. wireless telecom industry yet. Um, three, four years ago, there was none. We had evacuated the space, and it was mostly left to foreign suppliers. Um, today, we now have companies like Dell and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and many, many, many large U.S. companies that are starting to enter this market and realizing how strategically important it is and, and that they can contribute as we transform telecom. The reality, though, is even with all of us entering, it is still a new adventure and it's very difficult to build an at-scale industry that it doesn't exist in the U.S. without help. 
And so we've gotten two kinds of help. We've gotten what I call moral support, which has been very helpful, which is, you know, uh, the, 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 the current and past administration were very unified on the need for 5G, the strategic importance to it. They, they gave us uh, plenty of, of, of assistance in terms of helping us navigate policy, helping us stay in the loop, giving us the support to feel comfortable that this was in the national interest. What we didn't get yet is large material support because the legislative process, the funding processes take time. The good news is we have lots of bills that are kind of making their way through Congress and lots of agencies that are starting to realize that they have to directly invest into this industry to make it happen. I think, you know, con you know, I, I'm an eternal optimist. My goal is to make sure that we restore the United States to the leading position in the telecommunications industry of the future as we move to 6G. If that and when that happens, which I think it's a when, it will probably be one of the best examples of robust public-private partnership and joint investment that we've ever seen. And now we haven't seen that investment yet. It's just about to happen with USA Telecom Act and other and the CHIPS Act and other investment vehicles that are starting to bring the public sector side to bear while the private sector is already there. And I think as we just pile more resources to catalyze the investment, the disaggregation, the creation of these open ecosystems and accelerate the path to modern 5G and 6G, it is fairly inevitable, given the resources we have between the government and the private sector of the United States technology industry, that we should end up with a very, very strong position for the United States and technological self-sufficiency, which is incredibly important when you consider the strategic value of telecommunications in the kind of geopolitical world. Um, so, so it's really, let's, let's keep the moral support up and let's get the material support moving. Let's try to move faster on legislative sides. I, I know that's not easy to do, but realize that the winning formula is absolutely a public-private partnership that both sides have to play. If it's just the private sector, it won't have enough uh, resources and speed. And if it's just the public sector, it won't really be able to execute on the technology transformation. But if you put the two together, it is a very likely winning formula. And you know, I really hope that policymakers realize that they are not outside of this discussion. They are central to the consortium that is emerging across the United States to basically win in 5G and 6G. Well, we've certainly got a very critical and exciting decade ahead of us as we march towards the 6G, maybe 2030 or so. And uh, thank you so much, John, for sharing your thoughts. Well, you're listening to the podcast by the Center for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue CTDP's Task Force on Global Roadmap to 6G. I'm Meng Chiang, and thank you, John Rose, the Chief Technology Officer of Dell Technologies today. This has been Tech Dip Voice, a podcast from the Kroc Institute for Tech Diplomacy at Purdue. Further information on some of the issues discussed in this podcast can be found on our website, techdiplomacy.org.